Hello and welcome to Game on Girl, the podcast where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. And today, Rhonda and I are going to share our experiences from two fabulous cons that happened over this past weekend on opposite sides of the coast. So I was at PAX. And I was at Dragon Con 2012 in Atlanta. Yep. And PAX takes place in Seattle, Seattle, Washington, uh, which is not far from where I live, and is the abbreviation for Penny Arcade Expo. Uh, which is Penny Arcade, if you don't know, is a gaming um, comic strip that you can see online. And the expo is pretty much just a cornucopia of crazy gaming madness. So it's mostly about gaming. It is mostly about gaming, yes, but it's about all aspects of gaming. So there are tabletop games and there are video games and there are all kinds of just different gaming things going on. The panels are mostly about gaming, uh, some about geek culture as well, but the vast majority of it is focused on gaming. Dragon Con is uh, a little different. It started off back in 1987 and it was mostly a gaming con, but it, it also invi- involved uh, sci-fi fans. But it started off as these groups... And I believe in the Atlanta area who wanted to get together and celebrate. And so it has always been touted as a fan con by fans about things that fans like. And they also like to keep their reputation of the fact that they're not commercialized um, or Hollywood is not taking them over yet. So that's always uh, a bonus, especially since that's a huge critique of Comic-Con. Yeah. And, the the con, like I said, it, it's run by fans, mm-hmm. and so we really enjoy the idea of having guest panels from Eureka and Warehouse 13 and True Blood and all and stuff like this. But there are not any movie premieres or any uh, TV exclusives or or anything like that. Um, one thing I have missed is not having a, a video gaming tract. It's always been tabletop gaming. Mm, okay. And mostly I think the the way it originated, originated was RPG gaming right. and live action gaming. Right. But I've kind of missed not having video gaming there. And to me, because that's kind of, you know, gone hand in hand with me, mm-hmm. I I found kind of odd, but it is it is getting started. It was their second year to do a video gaming tract and it was hugely popular. Oh, that's great. That's great. That shows sort of that they're willing to evolve as well, which I think is a really important thing for, you know, pretty much for everything. But I think for cons in particular, you get kind of stuck in a rut or doing the same old thing over and over again. You, You can lose some of your audience. Yeah, and that's what I kind of was concerned about because this is the third year I've been to Dragon Con. Mm-hmm. It's the only con I've ever been to, but I was beginning to worry, you know, it's just the same old panels. Yeah, I've been there, the done that. Things. Yeah. But <laughs> I looked it up today just to double check. Um, the first con had about 1,400 people back in 1987, and they're running right about at 40, 45,000 now. Wow. And on an average day, they start panels on Fridays and they run through Monday. Oh, wow. On an average day, you're looking at about 400 different panels. Wow, that's massive. That's that yeah, In terms of panels, that's bigger than, than what's offered at PAX. I, I don't know the numbers, but that's definitely more panels than what was offered at PAX. Yeah, it's, it's just unbelievable mm-hmm. that there are 42 different tracks of interest. Mm-hmm. Across those 42, you're going to find, uh, on average, during a day, you know, 10 different things to do in an hour. Right. Wow. So, crazy. yeah, it, it's, it's, it's massive. And a, a whole lot of it is presented by fans. Mm-hmm. You know, right. So it's, and, yeah. that's great. That's great. It's it's different. PAX is definitely different in terms of the panels that are offered. Uh, you know, anybody can submit a panel. It's, you know, definitely fan driven. But there's also a huge gaming industry presence at 
packs. It's just, <laughs> that's the, that's the thrust of it is the, at least for me has always been the, the, the expo hall and going and seeing what's being offered. And they do both expos for, um, for major game companies, you know, they have the bigger spaces, but they have an indie section too, where there's a bunch of indie developers nice. and which is really nice. And they have what they call the PAX 10, which are 10 indie games that they feature for the con to get, you know, exposure to smaller game groups who are putting games together. And they go through a process of, you know, being selected to be one of the PAX 10. Um, there's also a fan-based competition uh, called the Omega Knots, which are uh, gamers who go up against each other and have tournaments throughout the three days that PAX is held. I've never actually watched any of the Omega Knots. I- I've read synopsis of it afterward. But I haven't watched it during during packs usually because I'm running around doing a hundred other things. Especially this one, I was running around a lot, yeah. so. um, <laughs> which was great but exhausting all at the same time. It, it, now you've never been to packs on East Coast, have you? No, I had. This is yeah. I should clarify that this is there. There are two packs cons. That there's packs Prime, which is the one that I went to, which is in Seattle, and packs East, which is in February in Boston. And I'm kind of hoping to head out to PAX East next year. We'll see if that works out. Um, yeah, I'd like to do that too. Yeah, that's where that's when I think that um, hopefully for you listeners, we can have um, a live. Uh, you guys can actually witness Rhonda and I meeting each other in person for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Since we've only ever known each other on Skype. So. Yeah, that's it. I think that that would be. I'm gonna carry your picture around and say, "Has anyone seen this? <laughs> Have you seen this gamer? Have you seen this gamer?" <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see that sort of sort of plans in the works. Um, but the one of the things that I've always appreciated about PAX, and I had the same feeling too when I went. I've been to PAX three years in a row now, and last year I felt like most of what I had seen the first year I saw last year. I didn't. I didn't feel like there was a lot of new contributed to it. And so I had been sort of uh, hemming and hawing, not for very long, because to get tickets to PAX, it's, you have to be right on top of <laughs> right. when they become available. So um, this year it was very different experience and a very different experience for me, mostly because I had a media pass. So I had media appointments and actually got demos with the developers and got to talk with people about how the games were made and who was doing what and why. And that was really fantastic. So so you about how many different meetings did you have? Um, in the end, I think I had about a dozen. Wow! <laughs> and that was over two days. That, that was only on Friday and Saturday, and I took Sunday to be my uh, go and enjoy yourself day. A couple of them were meetings that I a lot of them I had gotten invitations for an email. Several of them I made the appointments for the media meetings at the con walking around and I saw a couple of booths of games that I hadn't heard about that I, you know, I went up and I'm like, Hey, do you guys have any more meetings set up for media? And they're like, Oh sure. We'll get you in at this time. So that was, that was a very different experience. You you don't, I I have to brag just a little because (laughs) the vast majority of packs, if you want to go and preview games is you waiting in line to preview the games and to demo the games. Having a media pass makes you means you don't have to wait in line Oh, yes. That was pretty <laughs> sweet. I have to admit, that was pretty sweet. <laughs> that is really nice. So, uh, well, I mean, if you were to, if what we want to do is kind of hit the highlights yeah. between um, both of our visits, the Dragon Con visit and the the PAX uh, visit, especially with your, your media pass. Mm-hmm. So uh, have you got like a top three or a top five you want to talk about? Yeah, I have a top three, top three games that I that I previewed and demoed at PAX to talk about. Unfortunately, I didn't get to attend a single panel this time, which I was really kind of bummed about. Although I did attend a community event for extra credits, which is a, which is a like video commentary show that's that's on the Penny Arcade website and they talk about uh, the game industry and they're doing a really big thing about gaming harassment right now and the oh, wow. the, the lead guy on that James Portnow he's the writer for the, for the show I actually cited them in the dissertation in the last chapter cuz they have a whole episode about what it means to be a gamer and I cited that in in the 
dissertation, I went to a community event that they sponsored on uh, Friday night. And that was fantastic because the guys who James and Dan, who does the voice and oh, God, I can't remember her name, the woman who does the graphics for the show, all just literally stood up in the room for two hours straight and took fan questions. Oh, that was nice. Was really nice. And it was a really supportive community and a really great group of people. And that was really great. So that was the only time I got to Ed wanted because James was doing, I don't know, I think he said something like eight panels, which is insane for somebody to be on eight panels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he really wanted to get the word out on something. So I wanted to go to some of his panels and I just didn't have the time with all the other things I was doing. So that was my one sort of panel experience. But so you have panels to share. I have games to share. So I think we're going to kind of yeah. balance each other out here. So start with your number three. Okay. So my number three game is uh, from Perfect World and it's called Raiders and it's R-A-I-D-E-R-Z. So Raiders and it's a free to play uh, MMO and it's demon hunting. Ooh, nice. And it was uh, over the last few years previewing MMOs at Packs has left me cold to the MMO market just in general. I felt like yeah. everything was the same. Every game I went into to play was the same. Everything I would do was doing the same things. They had, you know, a structure that was working. So why mess it up? Finally, this year, I'm seeing MMOs that are coming out that are different. So you can still go on and you can still play with your friends and you can group up. But the mechanics are different. And Raiders was the first one that I saw that I was like, I want to play this game. (laughs) So what's great about it is it's a lot of fast action. There's a lot of fun little details in it. You can change your class, like the type of character you're playing with the click of a button. So you can jump in and out of different kinds of damage doing with a button with some um, consumables, you can become a different class, you know, like you can use a, a, a drink or something like that, a potion to turn you into a different class of character and gives you a different play style. You can pick up different weapons and that will change your play style as well. You can, when you kill your demon, you can take on their identity essentially and start fighting like they were fighting you. And now keep in mind, that sounds like a really complicated, (laughs) complicated uh, structure, but it was so natural that you could just literally like move Mm. in and out of these different types of character play. Did they they say anything about, I mean, if you, if you change your class, are you going to maintain your XP and, and your level and all of that? I mean, normally your your skill trees kind of determine... How good you're fighting. Well, these aren't permanent. These aren't all permanent changes. There, okay. Some of them are temporary, especially when you take on the, you know, the the enemies that you've killed. If you take them on, it's it's a temporary change. But there are several that are you. you I think it's like different stances. I can't remember. I played a lot of games, so if I get some of the details wrong on some of these, I apologize to people. But you could change. You had several different forms you could change into. A couple of them were true just whimsy changes like you could change into a cat nice that did a different little dance and you know and a little rabbit that did a little dance as well and they have different attacks like you can jump around and attack as these little you know animals as well and then you can click a button and pop back into your true form and attack you know really so there was a lot of whimsy and a lot of fun involved in that. That's really kind of a great idea because there are plenty of times where at the beginning of a game, you've got to pick your class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though I'm pretty much a distance fighter, there are times where you've got to have some melee skills. Right. And actually, it would be it'd be kind of nice to pop back and forth and be able to use what you needed for the time without losing you know, being the worst melee fighter on the field. Right, right. Not jumping into something that you have absolutely no XP built up in. Yeah. And that was one of the things that made this seamless and interesting and engaging. And I got to demo it with one of the developers. So he was talking about, you know, the choices that they made. And it was a pretty game. You know, they were all beautiful. That was one of my other observations was exactly how beautiful the games were this year. So everything I really, especially in the free to play market, it's really changed in terms of what's offered in terms of graphics and attraction and, you know, how pretty things are. The, the bar is really high on all of that right now. 
Yeah, I think that we we've observed that once before. Absolutely. So that was Raiders with a Z, and they're uh, from Perfect World. And the website for them is r a i d e r z dot perfectworld dot com. So you can check them out there. It's not out yet. Uh, they are <laughs> taking names for the beta release. So if you're interested in playing, oh good. You can put your name in to request for a beta, but there's some videos up on the website that you can check out what the gameplay looks like and the world looks like. Well, I'm kind of torn from my number three. There were two panels that were really kind of great. Um, One of them was Strong Women in Comics, and the other was called Getting the Scoop. For the very first time this year, I took my iPod and did some audio recording. Nice. And I was really, really glad I did that because it is... The, usually the panels have got a temporary guests on them, but sometimes they don't show up. There are impromptu guests that just show up and get asked to be on it. And so you never always know exactly everybody that's on there. When you right. get home, you're like, oh, who was who that was guy? That awesome person that I heard speaking on that panel that didn't be in the program, that wasn't in the program. <laughs> right. But they... With the auto recorder, I, I was able to get everybody's names and, and what they did, except for strong women in comics. And I just feel really horrible because most of the most of the panelists were independent comic uh, artists. Mm. And so they and that's kind of that was kind of the gist of the whole thing. The only person that anybody might actually know was uh, I believe his name is let's see, where is it at here? George Jaunty. Okay. With Dark Horse. Okay. He draws Buffy. Nice. Yes. I have those comics Uh, right here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He's, he was on the panel along with uh, several others. And the the things that we got from that, especially because they were mostly independents, was some verification about the attitudes of big comic companies like DC and Marvel. Mm -hmm. The independents say that Mostly what you've got involved from their opinion in trying to break into the comics industry is boys who read DC and Marvel growing up, fell in love with them, joined the company as artists or directors or whatever. Right. And now what they've got is an old boys club. Right. That do not see any reason to make any changes. Right. Um, they don't recognize changes in demographics. They just remember the wonderful memories from childhood, and they're trying to keep it that way. They want to reproduce the nostalgia of what reading comics right. was for them. Right. And these artists are producing deep, multi-layered, unique female characters, lead characters in their comic strips. And they're not being accepted by these companies because they say, number one, there's no market. Right. Which is not entirely true because, I mean, there were, I don't know how many female comic artists there. Yeah, comic artists and women who read graphic novels and comics themselves. I mean, it's just, uh, that's akin to people saying there are no female gamers. You know, sorry. Right. <laughs> sorry, well, we're invading. <laughs> they, even when they were asked, you know, do you have any female artists? They are like, well, we would have them if there were any. Right, because there aren't any. Oh, geez. There are about mm, five or six people who follow me on Twitter who are going to be outraged at hearing that. <laughs> well, the whole room just was aghast. Mm-hmm. And kind of what we observe is that they're not really considering Mm -hmm. female artists and probably not necessarily as much as a sexist view of the, of the gender of the artist Mm -hmm. as much as the view of the art being done. Right. The multi-layered female character that is not boobtastic Mm -hmm. and she's got depth. She has flaws. Right. She has power character. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Your mainstream big house comics, do not have multi-layered characters. Right, right. They're just, I won't even say, they're not archetypes. They're they're stereotypes. They're, they're almost paper characters, you know, flat characters that have no depth whatsoever. Yeah, and just no story. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're having to come up and rehash. I mean, they just rehash and redo things. Mm-hmm. And part of what I could tell from this panel and the reason that it kind of impacted me was the passion of these artists. Mm-hmm. 
you have to weigh sometimes what what people say as far as uh, complaining about well um they're they're sexist or they mm-hmm. just hire women or whatever but these are people who've been trying to get into the industry right and they see uh, you draw what you're told to draw. Right. And and what's and, accepted and what's, you know, reaffirmed as to be good, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, in the big houses, he said when he was when he was drawing, he was given the branding specs for the characters he was to draw. Right. Period. He said there's 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 no room for the artist sitting there to be creative and come up with a story and come up with the look and the feel. It's branded. Right. You You do it this way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and breaking that, and he, he said, you know, you've got to you've got to realize that Wonder Woman is a brand. Right. Superman is a brand. Right. And even if the comics are not selling as big as they used to the, and the stories are really flat, they own the brand. Right. Right. And that's what we're building. That's what everything's building on. Yes. Mm hmm. That's where that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. So that's how that's how that one was enlightening. the The other one getting the scoop was a panel of two game designers and two media people. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see more panels like this where you've got um, people people from different, on sides. different sides yeah. mm-hmm. debating the issues, and they really learned a lot about each other. That was kind of fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That is definitely what. Everybody needs more of <laughs> more conversation. Yeah, <laughs> so that was my tie for number three. Right. What 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 your number two game? So my number two game um, is one that I've already started playing, and I I am embarrassed to admit how much I've played it since I got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's from Big Fish Games, which is a local Seattle house, and it's called Fairway Solitaire. And oh. It is. It is super fun. I can't even like describe how much fun it is. It's a solitaire game that has a golf theme to it, which I, I can understand if you're thinking, oh, golf isn't really my thing. Well, golf really isn't my thing either. But the way they set the game up, um, you have a nemesis. You have you have a you have a bad guy, and the bad guy is the gopher, who I, I learned through Twitter today is called Gusty McDivitt. <laughs> <laughs> And what you you're essentially trying to do is you're you're playing solitaire a solitaire setup where you have a deck of cards in front of you and then you know the cards are on display that you have to clear off the the table and you can play one up or one down so if you have a three you can play a two or a four on it okay and you what you're trying to do is get as many sequence as many cards in sequence as possible because you get more points that way you need to finish each hole at an even score or under par and it depends par depends on on the hole on how many cards there are on how difficult the layout is because the layout is never the same uh Ooh, they nice. they have uh sand traps and water traps and rough terrain uh which are all different obstacles that you come through as you're playing and you get to run through, you know, and to clear the cards out as in as best and as most efficient way that you can. Um, and if you blow it and you get a bogey or a double bogey, or in my case, a couple times a triple bogey, um, <laughs> you get a little animation and either the gopher is like shaking his head at you with his eyes closed or he's laughing at you, like giggling <laughs> at you. And I, I posted to Twitter uh, the first night that I was playing it, because I, I had seen it at PAX on the first day I was there, I think. And they have a new version that's going to be coming out that's not out yet. That's a one-minute game called uh, Fairway Fever, which will, will be a one-minute game, which I am drawn. I was drawn to immediately because it reminded me very much of Bejeweled Blitz, where you're working really fast. Yeah, and that's you what have, it sounds like. Yeah, you have a limited amount of time, and you have to work through the sequences really quickly, and that was really fun. That one hasn't been released yet, um, but Fairway Solitaire has. I had tweeted, you know, darn you gopher i never thought was going to be a phrase in my gaming vocabulary oh yeah i remember that tweet i was like what is she talking about (laughs) so that's the gopher from uh from uh fairway solitaire and big fish actually saw the tweet (laughs) the community manager and he sent me an email and uh told me you know thanks for playing fairway solitaire we're sorry the gopher is giving you such a hard time um but we'd love to send you some stickers for the game if you'd like 
Oh, nice. And I wrote back and I said, absolutely. And that we would be talking about it in the podcast today. So I'd make sure to let them know that we were going to be covering it. Um, it's, it's really got nice graphics. Uh, actually, all of the Big Fish games that I previewed had absolutely gorgeous graphics. And I think they're really elevating the mobile media to a different level with uh, they have a game that's not one that I, you know, that I'm featuring here, but called Drawn. And there are two versions that out. They have a third one coming out, I think, next month. It's a storybook game. So you actually walk into like the storybook pictures and then you solve puzzles to advance the narrative of the story. Oh, that sounds fun. It was really looked like a lot of fun. I didn't get a lot of time to play it, but it was really beautifully done. And the stories were intriguing. You could tell how, you know, getting into it and solving the puzzles were going to be really just a very engaging way to deal with, uh, you know, the touchscreen medium. So I think they're they're doing a lot of really good work and it's very appreciative of what they were doing that. Oh, and the one other thing that uh, Fairway Solitaire has is a daily challenge. So they have a different game and a different challenge that pops up daily. So you have your regular course that you can play and then you have daily challenges sort of added in on top of that. So oh, that's fun. And the embarrassing part is that I am on the leaderboards for like, I don't know, 12 of the top, like, all-time players <laughs> like 12 of the categories now because I have played it so much in the last three days <laughs> you're proud but I'm proud oh, to see. <laughs> yeah, I'm proud but a little embarrassed I was looking through them and I'm like oh my <laughs> some of them what? are really good though because some of them are like longest streak you know played and longest ascending oh, wow. longest descending streaks played Without, you know, they have bonuses that you, you know, the, that you can buy, you know, with the, the dollars that you're um, gaining as you play, you can make the game easier on yourself. And I wasn't doing that at first. So I wasn't using those bonuses at all until the game started to get a little bit more, you know, complex in some of these later levels that I'm in now. So I had a lot of runs that were natural just from, you know, the cards themselves rather than using the bonuses to help you along. So, yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah, it was pretty. I have to. I had a, you know, like I said, don't go look at the boards because I don't want you to know how much I'm playing. (laughs) (laughs) So what was your second panel, Rhonda? Um, The second panel that I want to talk about was getting into the video game industry. Mm. And it was probably the most informative, the most practical and the most helpful panel I attended during the whole time. Wow. Uh, one of the other things that's really cool about Dragon Con, um, besides the fact that what I think that you saw, the the people that show up there, especially the panelists, the business owners, developers, artists, and stuff like that, they're all so very nice. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, they want to talk to you. They want to share with what they've got. Everyone is is pretty much uh, very nice about uh, networking and exchanging information. And I think it's because it, when you go to these cons, you know that you're going to be running into experts right. and gurus in their fields. Right. And everybody is just very nice about paying it forward. Right. I would agree. So oddly enough, this panel was done on Monday morning. Now you've got to realize that <laughs> this is after three nights right. of partying Dragon. <laughs> and this was a very well attended panel. Mm-hmm. They had a variety of experts there from different fields, artists, writers, producers, managers, testers, everything from every aspect of the video game process. And they just gave the most practical advice about getting into the field. Uh, Some of it seemed kind of obvious and you would think, you know, why would anybody do this? But they gave their personal anecdotes about how they got into their job, the mistakes they made in trying to get a job and just some real practical advice for applying or doing what it is you want to do in the video game uh, field. Um, just to name a couple of things, it's it's interesting. Most people there, of course, want to be uh, artists, concept right. artists. Right. Artists, there actually are multiple jobs for a graphic artist. And there are multiple jobs for the animators. Um, there, I talked to one guy who whose main job is to animate particles. 
and they he makes always- it snow. <laughs> Um, I talked to someone else who they say they have a job for a guy just who uh, uh, draws props, props that are in a scene, you know, the hammer or the fire hydrant or the bench or whatever. Um, And there was even someone mentioned that they have positions for UI designers, Mm -hmm. UI designers and programmers, which is just really thrilling. Understanding the, the wide gamut of how that is specialized, but they also have community specialist, people who deal with forums and networking and uh, community aspects of promoting the game, PR and stuff like that. But we also had someone there who was actually quality assurance tester. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we had both ends of the development spectrum. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was, it was really wonderful information and they were very generous and their advice was was just dead on. It was simple, easy to to follow for everybody. And pretty much uh, bottom line for most anything is do what it is you want to do. Right. You want to be a concept artist, draw concept art. Right. If you want to apply for a job at Insomniac, draw Insomniac style concept art. Know the company that you're applying for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it sounds like it makes sense, but the 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 types of things that they want to see is I mean you don't you don't submit artwork like Ratchet and Clank to Gearbox right who does Borderland you just you know right yes you've got good art but you're not us right so it was it was really informative I'm going to um, I'm going to actually write up a short blog article about the advice that they gave that'd be great that'd be great I Dig think. It of that one as well awesome yeah i can include sound clips if you want we can edit that out too. Mm-hmm. include some pieces of that that would be great i think yeah. yeah and i think you know a lot of people need that kind of information they talked a little bit about that when i was at the bioware panel as well oh at, yeah at geek girl con in addition to that the riot games had a panel where they offered to review portfolios mm-hmm. yeah they do that at pax too they do that at emerald city comic-con they review comic pan- comic portfolios but yeah and they have an open call at pax for pitch your game and they give everybody two minutes to pitch their game <laughs> it's nice yeah it's really one of those things that makes me realize exactly how community driven pax is another thing i'd like to plug in here about pax really quickly that i meant to include in my introduction of it is booth babes are not allowed at pax <laughs> Oh, yeah. So although there are women who, you know, will be in T-shirts and jeans, you know, passing out different things like there was an energy drink of some sort that had a bunch of girls all dressed the same with, you know, similar glasses on passing out swag. You don't get that, you know, short skirts, short shorts, tight outfits, girls flaunting all over the place that you might have at, say, (laughs) Comic-Con. But there aren't, you know, the scantily clad just for simple sexualization of of women at the con booth babes. And PAX has come down with a really strong policy against that kind of that kind of thing, which really helps make it more of an accessible community event. So kudos to them. Yeah. And Dragon Con's environment's not even really kind of set up for that. There is an I mean, probably 50% cosplay. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's huge. At least. Pretty much everyone you see is dressed up somehow or another. There are two large vendor rooms, but we're talking about vendors that sell dye and that sell T-shirts and stuff like that. We're not talking about, you know, Insomniac Games or E3 or anything like that. Right. People who who are promoting... Uh, future product, no media type stuff. These are independents who pay for a booth. And so as far as I know, there are no rules on costuming mm-hmm. because pretty much everyone there is a fan. Right, right. And that's, you know. yeah, you're not you're not walking into a situation like the expo floor at PAX where no. it's driven by the game companies. And the game companies can put characters, you know, characters from their games out. Mm-hmm but they still have to fall within certain reasonable guidelines, I think, for the clothes that they wear. Because there yeah. was a big controversy at PAX East last year where they made somebody who was in a, 
a short nurse's scantily clad nurse's outfit who was she she was dressed like she was in the game they made her leave the floor because she was Mm. too sexualized and i think they made her change her outfit like three times before they got to one that pax would accept so i felt like that i saw more children at dragon con this time i don't know exactly how i feel about that i mean we're talking about 45,000 crazed people. <laughs> yeah. I love I love seeing the young geeks. Right. I really the do. And, and there are some, some stars there that they would love to see. And there are some really practical panels. There's great costuming and stuff like that. In my experience, Dragon Con has always been R-rated. Mm, yeah. Uh, the language, the cosplay. I mean, the first year we went, there were women there who were wearing nothing but complete body paint. Wow. I think they were wearing a G-string and they had uh, Band-Aids or, or tape over their nipples, mm-hmm. but that's all they wore. Wow. It was a complete costume of paint. So... This is acceptable at Dragon. Right, right. It's a different environment. So yeah, it's just very. It's just an adult environment. Yeah, it 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 seems. I, I I we actually had someone on the Facebook fan page who sent me a link to his pictures from Dragon Con. Um, his name is Tate, and I'm actually going to include some of them. I'd like to put galleries up. Actually, I meant to mention this to you earlier, Rhonda, so I'll just spring it on you now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do a gallery of pictures from uh, from PAX and a gallery from Dragon Con, because I know you took a bunch of pictures I saw on Twitter. Yeah, not as much as I did the past two years, yeah. let me tell you. Yeah. I normally, I mean, you just stand and just and just take, take photos pictures. and yeah. photos. The ingenuity and the creativity is yeah. just mind-blowing in and of itself. But yep. um, I didn't take nearly as many this year. I, I spent more time talking to people and, and networking and stuff and going to more of the panels. Right. But there's still some pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, so, and I, I took, we took a bunch of pictures as well. And I actually got to take... They have a dancing troupe of zombies from Plants vs. Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> and we took video of them. They actually, you know, would do, you know, essentially flash mobs where they would just stop in the middle of the con and start dancing. Awesome. And they're great dancers. And so um, I have a picture with one of them. Um, and when, you know, we took the picture, the zombie leaned over into my ear and went om nom nom. So <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty delighted about that. So I have some pictures of that and some other pictures of the demos and the demo spaces that we were in for, for the um, the games. So, Well, what about your number one? So my number one game from PAX was actually one that I was very curious about last year, but I didn't get a chance to play. It's Firefall from Red 5 Studios. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Firefall is, um, it is as sexy as it is predicted to be. (laughs) Okay, good. And if you don't know Firefall, it is a free-to-play MMO first-person shooter. So it's a first-person shooter game in an MMO format where you can play with your friends. And it is... What I love about it, you can jump in and play with no hesitation. Just jump in, you pick your class, you run out and you play. And you can, you know, just run around and do great things and have a lot of fun. But it also has great depth and nuance to it that you can get into as well. Much like I said with Raiders, you know, being able to jump between classes, you can play all of the classes in Firefall with one character as well. Because your skill points aren't built up on your character. They're built up on the gear you're wearing. Oh, interesting. So you have a battle frame for an assault character. You have a battle frame for a biotech. Whatever it is, you have that gear. You put it on your character. You can be whatever kind of class you want to be. Oh, how about that? Oh, I love that idea. Isn't that fantastic? It really, really is. It's like nothing I've ever seen before in the in the way. And then you level up and have talent trees for each one of those battle frames that you you can specialize in and you can get different things, you know, different kinds of abilities and, you know, all kinds of different things that you can do, different guns or different heals and, you know, you name it, you'll you there's a, you know, a ton of different things you can do. So but one of the best parts and uh, when we were talking to the developer that we interviewed, he told us this was actually fan had been a request that had been sent in by the people who were originally playing the beta. All of the characters have either jet boots or jet pack. Oh. 
all of them. <laughs> oh, that's a riot. It is so much fun. So you can run and you can walk in the game, but you can also jump and jetpack over and around things. And it just makes the play so much fun. Oh, cool. Because you can get, you know, through the environment in a different way and you can jump up on top of things and you can see things from the, you know, tops of the buildings and all kinds of great you know, dyna- and when you're in the middle of a fight, if somebody, you know, one of the bad guys, there's a lot of spiders in this and they'll drop poison AOEs. <laughs> you can just jump up out of them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been well, pretty I, fun. I love the idea of the, um, the battle gear because it reminds me a little bit of Diablo 2. We would go into a dungeon and we would get killed and we would realize, for instance, with my um, sorceress, I was wielding fire and they were fire immune. Right. Right. So I'd go back out and I'd rearm with my ice or something right. like that. But this, this kind of takes it to another level. You still have to be in a, you'll, you have a garage essentially where you're, where you yeah. keep your battle frame. So you have to be in a, in a battle, battle frame garage to switch. You can't switch in, you know, action, right. which was one of the things I liked about Diablo three, that you could switch your build, you know, while you're in a dungeon. But you, you do have to go back into town and go into a garage. And you do have a limited number of garage slots, at least to start, because we I have been playing the beta, so I've been spending quite a few hours. Actually, I spent most of the day on Monday <laughs> playing the beta, um, <laughs> getting my fill in that. And in between, I was playing uh, Fairway Solitaire, like literally came back from PAX. I think this pretty much sums up my gaming style, that the two games that I wanted to play were Fairway Solitaire and Firefall. Mm, That's me. Yeah. Nutshell yeah. gaming wise, those those two things are exactly my my preferences. And um I'm playing an assault character, I think is the character, um, and I have a plasma rifle, uh, which is just beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> And you can jump up and you actually shoot more accurately when you're jumping with that gun than you do when you're on the ground. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and so you jump up in the, in the air and then have an AOE effect that, you know, allows you to do lots of damage really quickly. So, Well, it says a lot it, about those particular games that you have continued playing them and you're excited about them after PAX. I mean, that what they intended to do at PAX, they accomplished. Exactly. Exactly. And there's, you know, and there's a lot to take in. There's a lot to see, you know, like I mm-hmm. said, the, you know, the expo floor is, is huge and there's a huge number of games to see. And one, oh, I did want to have one little fan moment that I wanted to share. I actually got to meet the guy who made the game with zombies in it. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, James Silva, I think is his name from Ska Suvia Studios. Um, I got to meet him and his wife, and they're both the, the art, artists and producers for Ska Studios. So I got, I got to meet them. So that was, I had to say, one of the, one of the highlights for me. They were in the indie section. They have a new game coming out. Um, oh, God, and I was going to write down the name of it, and I forgot. It's Charlie something. I'll have a link to it on the site. But it's not out yet, but they have a new game that's a side-scroller that'll be on Xbox and PlayStation. Um, and it looked really fun. And it was just really awesome to have a conversation with a guy. I'm like, you have no idea how much we play your game. And he laughed and he said, you know, I totally made that game as a joke and everybody wants to talk <gasps> about that game. <laughs> oh, man. Let that be a lesson to you, developers. <laughs> exactly. What you think is going to be sort of a toss away idea or something you just do for fun ends up being the thing that makes people remember you. And I you know, told him how, you know, we we play it every time we have our friends over. We pretty much end up playing <laughs> I made a game with zombies. Um, and he said he made it. He programmed it in two weeks. That's how long it took him to program it. And, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things like you know, it just hit whatever chord it hit. That was the good one to hit. And his title yeah. on his business card was lead dishwasher. <laughs> 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 I'm actually hoping to have his wife on the show. So let's oh, cool. get her scheduled. Yeah. So anyway, so that was my fan. That was my fangirl moment. I'm like, oh, my God, we totally play your game. So, <laughs> yeah, it's really easy to have fan moments at cons. And if you're a developer, by the way, if you want to be a rock star for a weekend and go to a con, yeah, seriously, <laughs> seriously, get on a panel. I mean, it, almost any gaming panel, if, if you've done some sort of development, artwork, 
testing anything on a game, if if you go to a con and you sit on the panel, you're you're like a rock star for an hour. Yes, exactly, exactly. So we and I think I think my biggest fan moment was we went to see Adam West and Burt Ward. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that that was the one panel we were not going to miss right. and um i just i grew up watching batman on tv and you know you never know from from here on out number one whether or not they'll make it back to down to atlanta again right uh burt ward i know is in outside of la and that's a big trip to make yeah definitely to to atlanta in fact we had we we're supposed to have Patrick Stewart, and he wasn't able to make it. Leonard Nimoy's been on the list a couple of times, of course, and he hasn't been able to make it. So when when you get the chance, and the cool thing about DragonCon too is they have what they call the Walk of Fame, and that's where all of the celebrities go, and you can line up to get autographs and pictures. Mm-hmm. Well. Even if you don't want an autograph or a picture, you can walk in there, and you're 12 feet away from these people. Right. And you just walk through and, and me, I'm, I'm not, I get starstruck, but you know, it's not a big thing for me. I just, I don't want to meet the people. I just end up babbling like an idiot. And it's just really cool for me to walk through and just see them and to go and be within 12 feet of Adam West at a signing table. It's just like, okay, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I had a good day. <laughs> and I don't know how many times in the hallway we ran into the actor, and I'm, I apologize to the actor because I know they hate this, but um, he played Zane on Eureka. Oh yeah, yeah. We passed him in the hall like four times. That's awesome. Yeah, and last last year it was really funny because Lonnie Anderson was at the con, and you know there's only one bathroom right outside the Hall of Fame, yeah. the Walk of Fame, and so as we were going into the bathroom, Lonnie Anderson was going to the bathroom. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they are, they're all in the same place. <laughs> John was joking with me this year. I stepped into the restroom. He goes, just think you may sit on the toilet that Lonnie Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. That's still. <laughs> yeah. Brush. What, you get what you can get. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> brush your brush. You take your brush with celebrity where you can get it. <laughs> All right, Rhonda. So this the pinnacle of, I think, your experience, yes, is your number one panel? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the story probably is not, is not as thrilling to anybody else as it is to me and you. <laughs> but, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it could, that, could, that could very well be, but it is, uh, it's pretty exciting as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Well, there were... A lot of panels this year about uh, women in comics, women in television, women in gaming and stuff like that. And I tried to go to as many of those as I could. And and about half of them panned out. Uh, sometimes they're not as good as you, as you hope that they'll be. But um, there was a panel on Gamer Girls Unite. It was going to be a discussion about women in gaming. So I definitely was going to go to this. Right. Uh, I cause. did... <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I didn't even look to see who was going to be on the panel. All I was looking forward to is I had seen on Veronica Belmont's blog that she was going to be doing a podcast about girls in gaming Mm -hmm. and it down at one o'clock. And I actually ran into her the day before leaving a podcast because the, on her blog, it said the location hadn't been determined yet. So she told me where the location was at. She was in a hurry. Everybody, you know, wants a piece of her. But I just didn't want to miss the podcast. So I had it written down, and I was going to go to next at 1. So the Gamer Girls panel I was going to was 1130. And me me and Kat get there very early because the panel we were at, we left early. And we came in, and there are two people in there and the moderator. And the moderator just said, well, you know, we're just sitting around chatting. We we were early for the panel. And she said, we just thought we'd go ahead and start talking. Do you think girls in gaming is a relevant topic? And I'm like, I hope so. <laughs> yes. I do, I do a podcast on it. <laughs> and she said, really? And I pulled my business card out and I gave it to her. And I told her about the podcast. She goes, well, I think maybe you need to be on this panel. 
And I wasn't quite sure how serious she was, but she sounded pretty serious. And she started asking me some more questions. And so I got to thinking, huh, if I do get asked at the last minute to be on this panel, I better go make sure I don't have spinach in my teeth. <laughs> Always a good idea. Make sure to check. <laughs> I decide I'm going to run out and go to the bathroom and check my face. And as I'm leaving, I pass Veronica Belmont. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if she's going to be a part of this too, or if she's just sitting in or something. So I get back, she's sitting on the panel and there are two other women up there that I didn't recognize. And I heard the moderator talking saying, well, we've got a couple of ladies up here on the front row that we might be able to ask to join. And it sounded like that they were missing some panelists. Yeah. And Kat leaned over to me. She goes, you are going to get asked to join this. And I was like, yeah, I'm sitting here trying to calm down. <laughs> so sure enough, she looked over and she said, do you mind joining the panel? I was like, no, that it would be great. I would enjoy it. And so she put me at the end next to Veronica Belmont. So I've, I've texted already to you mm-hmm. saying, hey, you're not going to believe this, but I'm going to be on a panel with Veronica Belmont. Right. And, and so I'm, I'm, you know, on the West Coast and three hours behind you. So we were just getting right. We were just going out to breakfast. So we're sitting, you know, waiting to eat. And I get this message from you and I am I'm flipping out through my entire breakfast because, you know, you were on the panel as I was eating breakfast. And I'm like constantly checking my phone and checking my Twitter and checking my phone and checking my Twitter. I heard from Rhonda. What's going on? What's happening? (laughs) And I know it was a long wait because we we did the panel. And then afterwards, usually the panelists, the the attendees come up and they'll talk to the panel. So I talked to some gamers and stuff, but then you also try to network with the other panelists. And unfortunately they had all left except for, um, Julianne caps, Mm -hmm. but I got to talk to her, which was really nice. Um, she said she would be on the show. I'm going to talk to her. Her husband is Mike caps who happens to be the president of, sorry, I'm so excited. I'm forgetting Uh (laughs) Epic games. Epic games. Okay president of Epic Games. So I'm sitting up there and I'm trying to figure out uh, my business cards have already been all spread out on the table during the whole thing. I've seen Veronica, you know, kind of twiddling with the business card and flicking it around. I was like, man, I cannot imagine coming to a con and doing this all weekend, sitting on a panel, talking to guests, trying to run between events. And at the same time, I'm trying to keep Veronica from thinking I'm a stalker. Right. It's like, and I didn't network with her as well as I should have because I didn't want her to think I was a star. Right. Well, it's, it's a very fine line to walk, so I understand. But anyway, so I, the panel went really well. There was just some really great conversation. And um, I do have a recording of it. It's not going to be a great audio recording, but we just we had some great conversations. And at the end, people came up to talk, and I noticed that some other people had given Veronica their business card, but mine was the only one she put in her purse. No. Whoa. (laughs) We like the sound of that. Yeah. Now I don't, you know, who knows if anything will, will come of it, but I think my business cards, I laid out over five different hotels usually did not last an hour. Everything was gone. Um, it's a very identifiable topic. It was very relevant and something that people wanted to talk about. And again, it was a really, really good conversation. But afterwards, the director of the uh, game program at DragonCon has asked Game on Girl to be there next year. Um, They would love to do a live podcast with Game on Girl and to get us involved in their gaming program at DragonCon. Well. Yes. So <laughs> upnobbing a lot more yes. in the future. Yes. So Game One Girl will be representing at Dragon Con next year in whatever way possible. <laughs> so but yeah, it was it was really nice. We had a we had a great conversation and and it was just it was very exciting. Afterwards I didn't I didn't call to talk to you immediately afterwards because I was so I was so thrilled and I was starving. <laughs> don't eat. So John fed me and then I ran out to, to give you a call. So, well, and we had just finished breakfast and I walked out the the door, you know, actually I was supposed to pay and I left, I left Chris with the bill. (laughs) Like I gotta go talk to Ron (laughs) ran out the door and, uh, you know, was standing outside IHOP and, uh, 
with tears in my eyes, you know, beyond excited at the, at the opportunity, you know, the prospect of doing a live podcast and being on a gaming track for Dragon Con, I think, yeah. you know, where I'm an academic, we all know this. However, I was a fan of games long before I was an academic or game studies person. So the idea of going to a fan con that is focused on on fan experiences and all that, you know, is just a, a great way to reaffirm what's important and what we're doing here with Game on Girls. So it's a fan conversation exactly. and you find out the people that you're on the panel with. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, they are also fans and they want to have a very friendly, very open, accepting right. culture for their game. Yep. And um, that's what all these women did. The The other woman on the panel, uh, Jody Black, is an RPG tabletop gamer, and apparently extremely well-known in her field. She runs Beautiful Brains. Mm. And Julianne Capps, again, she is the co-founder of Escapist Magazine. Nice. <clears throat> I love She's it. no longer with them, yeah. but she... She works on a con, um, I think it's the, called the East Coast Con. And again, her husband is Mike Katz, the right. president of games. Right. So um, it was a it was a nice panel. That's great. That's great. Well, I think that that's at the beyond a success. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I told you I was nervous about being able to network there. Right. But it was. Uh, uh, everybody's just just really nice yeah. and yeah and very uh, open fantastic well i think both of our experiences were just great successes for for game on girl and for women gamers in general so the cons are exhausting mm-hmm. and they're draining they mm-hmm. they're two to three of the most intense days you'll ever spend but you get a lot out of it yeah. even you know, just attendees. You, it's just really a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I feel the same way. It was uh, Saturday evening. I I just crashed around five o'clock, and that was after my last media appointment. There was just no more. <laughs> I have, yeah. I have no more energy to be an extrovert in any way, shape, or form. So. Uh, we ended up with pizza and beer and watching the Hunger Games that night because I just needed to get out of <laughs> uh, the, you know, the the throng of people because I know there's lots of parties and lots of great socializing that goes on after the con floor, you know, closes, the expo closes and all that stuff. There's, you know, they, they game at PAX. There's tabletop gaming areas that are open until midnight or one or two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, we we went to some of those too. Yeah, where you can go and you can play a game or you can check out new games and you can find people who like to play the same kind of games you play. And it's all fantastic. But by that time, I was just, oh, no, I'm done. <laughs> I know. We would get down there and the whole the whole time we, we would be saying, you know, well, finally in the evenings, we're going to be able to go down and play games. Right. And we were so exhausted that we were having to, to jack up on coffee mm-hmm. to even... <laughs> sit through a game yeah exactly we had one tweet where it was like 11 o'clock or 10 or 11 my time which meant it was like one o'clock in the morning your time and you were going to get coffee and I was like what (laughs) well and not just that I mean the 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 room with open gaming but I mean there's stuff still going on there are masquerade balls yeah there are zombie balls there uh, was there's a horror movie film festival that doesn't start till 1130. I mean, around the clock, you can do something yeah, practically. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that Dragon Con and PAX aren't the same weekends next year. Um, yeah. And they are extending PAX to be four days next year as well. So um, there are some, it's only been three days in the past. So PAX Prime is going to be four days next year. So, so we'll see what more they have to to offer and you know the attendance for pax is somewhere around seventy thousand people so oh my god i can't imagine more people i just i know i oh, i have one other thing i wanted to share too i actually got recognized by Gigi while i was at oh cool yeah i follow her um paul fat fat Fleck, I can't remember. Sorry, Paul, um, who listens to the show and has uh, been following and we've been following each other and having conversations on Twitter for a while now, uh, came up to me as I was in the sixth floor, uh, which was more of the indie games. And I had, you know, Gigi, the Gigi, um, the Game on Girl logo bear on my backpack. 
and he walked up to me and he said, where did you get that bear? <laughs> I said, oh, it's my, ah. it's my logo. And he's like, oh, you're Regina. <laughs> oh, yes, I am. that's so cool. <laughs> Your first celebrity spotting. Exactly. Exactly. I felt, I felt so famous at that moment. I'm like, oh my goodness, somebody recognized me from, from our logo. And that's just, that's just proof that we're doing, you know? <laughs> Yeah, doing the good work that we should be doing. And that's exactly why I was wearing the bear was hoping that people would recognize me from the podcast. So yeah, cool. Yeah, so very good. Well, we would love for our listeners to give us any feedback that they would like about the cons if they've got any stories that they want to share or any cons that they recommend to attend. Uh, Share the love. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, And share your pictures since we are going to be putting up um, galleries for both Dragon Con this year, Dragon Con 12, and PAX Prime 12. So we will be having galleries, so feel free to email your pictures to regina at gameongirl.com, and we'll get those up with our pictures as well. You've been listening to Game On Girl. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at Rogue Room. That's R-H-O-R-H-O-O-M. You can also read my tech blog at droolonthefrog.com. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs, as I'm known on Twitter. Game on Girl is available on iTunes and Stitcher Streaming. These links, along with references made in the show, can be found on our website, GameOnGirl.com. This podcast is recorded with Audacity, and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, game on.